All right. Man, we're seeing how many things we can drop up here today. Um, good morning, church. How are we? It's good to be here with you um, after a crazy week. Um, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Harley Rathel. I am the campus pastor here at Benningman Church, Butte-Kyle, and uh, really am grateful to have you here with us. And like's already been said, congratulations on making it through a somewhat crazy week, right? Um, it's been been weird. Uh, it was one of those things I saw the uh, you know the news coming through that um, schools were going to be closing early, and then a few days off. And I was like, that seems like an overreaction. And then, uh, man, it's been a week. We have some oak trees around us, and while. Uh, while we were like in bed, I could hear cracking branches and all of that horrible stuff. So um, anyway, I'm not going to complain too much because I know some of you have been without power and we kept power um, during the whole thing. But I say all of that because I would love to know if, if any of you are needing help in any way, whether it's a place to take a shower because you don't have power or whether that's like your yard is like overwhelmingly crazy and you need help tidying it up, please come and talk to me or, or one of our team. We'd love to be able to just step in and help out if there is a way that we could do that. So um, yeah, just let us know. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say before I, I prayed with you and jumped into the message for today was to just say, we are at a really cool and exciting moment as a church. Uh, so last week in our service, and actually at all three campuses during our services, we voted on land for our particular campus, whether we wanted to continue to pursue the purchase of land, and we had an overwhelming yes to that. So that's, I think that's worth celebrating, yeah. Um, so it's exciting. We don't know what will, uh, what will come about in these next few months, but we're hopeful that we will continue to have doors open up for the purchase of this piece of land over near Hayes High School, um, just kind of down Collar's Crossing here. So uh, with that, the one thing that I'd love to just draw your attention to is that the next step for us is doing what we call feasibility study. So we're basically going to be looking at that land and saying, okay, if we were to buy this, what sort of you know development would happen more specifically? Um, so this is going to involve engineers and architects and planning and legal stuff, all of that sort of stuff. We estimate estimate it's going to cost about fifty thousand dollars to do all of that stuff that we need to do. And so uh, we're opening up and saying, hey, if anybody feels compelled to say, hey, I want to be a part of investing into that, um, we have created on our online giving portal at the church. If you go to beautikylechurch.com, you'll see a giving tab. If you click on that, you'll find there's a, a specific line there for um, contributing and, and participating and giving towards that. And so if any of you feel stirred to be a part of that, this is not me saying you're obligated to do that. It's more of, hey, if God's stirring you to do that, go and do that with a joyful heart. We'd love for you to be a part of that. So that's exciting. I uh, just wanted to share that a little. Um, before we jump into a new series, which you can probably see we are talking about praying. So Probably the best way to start that series would be with prayer. Um, so I'm going to invite you to do that with me. Let's just bow our heads and um, just uh, focus our thoughts on God's on God. God, um, we do want to focus our thoughts on you, Lord. It's been a, a strange week, um, and 
there's just a lot going on, whether it's the strange week or whether it's even stuff going on for us as a campus as we consider the future and land and development. Lord, there is a lot. And God, we don't want to be overwhelmed. We don't want to be taken away in our thoughts and distracted. Lord, we want to hear from you this morning. That's why we came. That's why we're here. We're hopeful that you would speak to us, that you would show yourself to be real, that you would remind us of truth, that you would deepen our relationship with you. And so, Lord, with my friends here, I'm praying that that would happen, that you would speak and that you would be at work in these next moments that we have together. Thank you. Amen. When it comes to relationships, communication is key. A good basic equation that we can stick to is this. Good communication equals good relationship. And that seems to be a universally true rule in any type of relationship. And so this seems to be true For a parent to a child, if they have good communication, that will help the relationship. Or a friend to a friend, a husband to a wife, a boss to an employee, a neighbor to a neighbor. You get the point. Relationships really do need good communication. For an example, what we could do is we could imagine uh, two couples who are getting married. And if we were to observe these two couples who are getting married for the next 10 years of their married life, And one couple were really good about talking and communicating about everything. They would talk about their feelings, their finances, their uh, plans and goals and dreams and all that sort of stuff. They're good about that. And then I want you to imagine the second couple is not. They just don't really talk about anything together. What would we expect to see 10 years down the line from those two couples? Well, I would almost guarantee that the first couple would be thriving, that things would be going well, and that the second couple would actually be on Struggle Street, that they'd be really having a hard time. And this is all because communication is so important. And so a relationship thrives on good communication and also dies on poor communication. A way to think of this may be to think of of flowers. I'll use flowers as, as an example. If I was to take a lovely bunch of flowers and give them to my wife, Liz, and say, here you go. And she was to take those and just plop them into a vase with no water, sorry, a vase, with no water in it. That's one that always gets me, right? Um, They were to plop it into that, I'm going to stick to Australia, uh, vase um, with no water in it. What would you expect? You would expect those flowers to shrivel up and die very quickly On the other hand, if she was to take those and put them in there with some water and to care for them and to keep that water up, they would do much better. Water to the flower is like communication to a relationship. It keeps it alive. The principle is true and seems to be true, as we've said, in all different types of human relationships, but it's also true of our relationship with God. God created us to communicate with each other, but to also communicate with Him. That's what I believe the Bible teaches us. And as a Christian, I believe to be true, that communication is something that God has created. We call our communication with one another talking, and we call our communication with God prayer. This word prayer shows up all throughout the Bible. 
If you look up uh, different variations of it, praying, prayed, prayer, if you look up all those different variations, you'll find it shows up about 280 times in the ESV translation of the Bible. So when you hear that word, how do you feel? How do you feel about prayer? If you're honest, for some of you, does it feel like Prayer is a little bit like having to eat your vegetables. It's not the thing that you're really looking forward to. Or is it, for others of you, like a sweet dessert that you love, that you really are looking forward to? Or maybe somewhere in between. Depending on your background and your life experience, you may have positive or negative feelings or maybe mixed feelings. Maybe for others of you, prayer is something that you've never really tried. I hope that in a room like this, there would be people who are like, yeah, I'm not really sure about this church or this God thing. I'm here, but I'm exploring faith. And if that is you, you are so welcome here. We love that you're here. And this is a great day to be here because prayer is where we talk about how we can actually communicate with God. When it comes to prayer, it seems like there's some fairly strong misconceptions out there. Let me just address a few of those. One of the misconceptions is that when we pray, that we need to change our tone and our our vocabulary. I think many of you have probably experienced this or seen this at least, where somebody all of a sudden changes their voice when it comes to prayer and they sound like they've turned into some sort of 1800s preacher. You know what I'm talking about? Like they're busting out all these words that you're like, you know, thee, thou, thine, you know, beseech ye God, you know, like all of these words. And that's extreme, but it does happen. Like some people turn very formal when they're addressing God. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be respectful of God and His power and sovereignty, but we need to be ourselves. That's one misconception. Another is that prayer is boring. There is a thought out there that it's just this humdrum thing that we do. Or another misconception is that prayer is a one-sided affair, that it's a monologue where we come to God and we just kind of go on and on and on and then we leave, that there isn't any back and forth. And so as we have this time together to look at prayer during this two-week series, I'm hopeful that we'll get to address some of these ideas and misconceptions. And I think it's good that we're actually doing a two-week series because when it comes to prayer, it seems like there's two main veins of prayer. There is personal prayer and then there is corporate prayer. And that's a word that we just use to describe prayer with other people as in not just by ourselves. This week in particular, we're going to be looking at personal prayer. And what we're talking about here is private prayer, prayer that that others don't see or hear, prayer that is just between ourselves and God. Jesus talked about this type of private personal prayer in His famous Sermon on the Mount. Now, some may be like, okay, what is the Sermon on the Mount? The Sermon on the Mount is a title we gave it, uh, it's not what Jesus called it, but it's, a th- it's three continuous chapters in the book of Matthew where Jesus is giving this continuous message and he's talking about all sorts of truth and wisdom and one of the things that he addresses amongst many things is prayer. These three chapters are from Matthew 5 through 7 and right in the middle of that in Matthew chapter 6 we find this message about prayer. And So I'm going to invite you if you have a Bible to turn with me on your device or in a physical Bible to Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to be starting in verse 5. So turn there with me if you would, and then as you're doing that, what you may want to note 
is that right before Jesus talks about prayer, he's talking about generosity and giving. And what he's saying there is he's talking about generosity is, hey, when you're generous, don't be all flashy and showy about it. Don't try and impress other people. Do it secretively and know that God sees that and will reward that. And you're actually going to see those themes coming out in what he's about to say about prayer. So let's read together what it says in verses 5 through 6 together to start with. We're going to read more, but I just will read these first two verses to start with. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, that was the Jewish place of worship, and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. If you look in particular at these two verses we've started with, you'll see that both verse 5 and verse 6 start with this phrase, when you pray. So there's an assumption here that you will pray. It's not if you pray, it's when you pray. And as it goes on in verse 6, it says, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. What's being described by Jesus here is not corporate prayer. This is private, personal prayer. And so a question that we should ask ourselves as we read this is, okay, why? Why should we pray and pray privately? And that's a great question to ask. I want to give two quick answers to that. One quick answer is to say that we should pray privately because Jesus did. And maybe that's a bit of a cop-out answer, but it's true. Like if you look at the life of Jesus, you'll find over and over, he would pull aside and find time to talk with God, his Father. And so if Jesus saw that as something important that he built into his very busy schedule, that probably should be important for us too. That is one answer to the why. A second answer to the why is to actually look at the second sentence in verse 6. If you look at that with me, what you'll see that it says here in verse 6, it says, And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So we are to pray privately because God will reward us. As I say that, I, I kind of say that almost with a question because I think we should be asking ourselves, okay, well, what does that mean? What does it mean that God's going to reward us when we pray and seek Him in private? I want to answer that question, but I actually want to leave it for a moment because I think we are going to come back to answering that question as we talk about the how we are to pray. And so if you would, just leave that question for a moment with me. We will come back to it. And let's look at this question of how we should pray. A starting place that Jesus gives us here in Matthew 6.6 6 is that we should find a private, quiet space. You see, private prayer thrives in the quiet. Private prayer thrives in stillness. And so if we are to pray, when we pray, if we are to pray, where is that quiet, still space for you? And when I'm asking that, I'm not asking that in kind of a, a you know, oh, when I'm taking a walk by a stream. No, like I'm talking about day in, day out, where is that for you? 
Where is a quiet, still place that you can connect with God? And this is an important question because we need to be thinking about an intentional place and space that we can pray. Because if we don't have one that we can name, the likelihood is that having consistent private prayer is a challenge for us. That's putting it pretty bluntly, but I believe it's true. So as you think about, okay, where is that space that I can pull aside and to connect with God in prayer? For some of you, that's probably relatively easy. Maybe you're a single person and you live by yourself in your apartment or your house. And so you've got private space, like you just have it. For others, you maybe are retired or you're empty nesters. And so finding that space maybe is not that hard. But for others of you, you're like private space, like quiet space. That doesn't exist in my world. That's a lot more challenging. And if that's you, I feel your pain. We need to be intentional and creative. The space for us could be the house before the kids get up. If we want to find private, quiet space with God, we have to set an alarm, which means we have to go to bed not too late. So that we'll get up when the alarm goes off so that we can have space and time to connect with God, to build that relationship because that relationship is built on communication. For others, maybe it's the house after the kids go to school. Maybe for some of you, and I'm just putting this out there because it's true for me sometimes, it's the closet. Like that is the quiet place to find or the car or the lunch break or maybe after the kids are in bed. Finding space is not just about finding the where it's also about finding the when one thing that i've let me just give you a couple of personal things i've found personally i've found that if i don't find space and time to connect with god early in my day my day seems to snowball and it gets dropped to the side and left that's just something that i found to be a true reality i've also found that for me with our schedule that space and time where I can connect with God changes from day to day. I have to be creative to think, okay, Monday after the kids go to school, the house is quiet. That is a great place and time for me to connect with God and it's still early. But on Sunday, man, that's the drive up to Evo. Like, like that's my space and my time to connect with God. So it, we need to be thinking about these things. And I encourage you to try to figure this out. To make a plan and to be protective of it. Because if we don't make a plan, if we're not protective of it, it's just not going to happen. We are not going to find a private, quiet place to connect with God. As we read on, we find much more specific direction, though, about how to pray. Read with me verse 7 and verse 8. It says this, And when you pray, there's that phrase again, Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. If we pause there for a moment, what we are seeing here is a second instruction on how we're to pray. And the instruction is basically this. Don't babble in prayer. Don't try to impress God with the length of your prayer. Don't use empty words. Don't use familiar, meaningless phrases. I don't know, for those of you who have been Christians for a while, you may know what I'm talking about here. I've found that with prayer, there's certain phrases that I pray quite often. 
And once I start to pray them quite often, they can roll off my tongue very easily without actually having much connection to my heart because I've said it so long, so many times, you know, hey God, would you bless this day? Would you look after Liz and the kids? Like, I mean that but I need to really mean that. Does that make sense? So we need to be careful to make sure that we're not just being empty in our phrases. And we we think, okay, okay, why do I need to not babble? Why do I need not to try and impress God with my length of prayer? And verse eight gives us the answer to that. But the answer is one that should raise an eyebrow for you. Because what it says is your father knows what you need before you ask him. And the question begging to be asked here is, wait, what? God knows what I'm going to ask Him before I even ask it. If that's what's going on, why do I need to even pray? If God already knows what I need, why should I spend any time asking Him for it? It's already on His radar. Why, Why do I need to bring it to His attention? This valid question needs to be thought about, needs to be answered. And I think the answer goes something like this. We place our requests before God for our sake, not His. To acknowledge what happens when we pray and we we bring our requests to God, which God already knows what they are, we acknowledge our place. We acknowledge our dependence, our need on Him. And this also helps us when God answers those prayers because we realize that the answer has come from Him. Whether it's a yes, a no, or a wait, which by the way, those are the typical answers that we get when we pray and bring things to God. And that's a sermon for another day. But those are the things, the the ways that God answers us. If we come back to this question of how we are to pray, we've been given already two main things. Find a quiet space and be intentional in pulling aside like Jesus was. And then secondly, don't try to impress God. Don't babble on and on. But if we read on, what we're going to actually see is the next few verses probably give us the clearest picture of how to pray. Because Jesus is going to give us an actual example. Listen to verse 9 with me. Read along if you'd like. Pray then like this. So our ears pick up. We're about to hear it. And it says this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I imagine many, if not all of you have heard this before. This is a famous prayer, right? This is known as the Lord's Prayer. And this is where some of you may be thinking, okay, I, I know that, but where's that section that says at the end, for yours is the kingdom, the power and glory forever, amen. Like, where's that part? Well, actually, that was something that was added into some of the later man- manuscripts. It's not untrue or theologically incorrect or bad, but it's not in the original text. And so it's not here for us to read. But what does this example of how to pray tell us about prayer? As Jesus gives us an example, this prayer teaches us a lot that we can process and that we can study. In fact, there's whole books written about these few verses that would help us to understand prayer. 
There's actually studies and sermon series where people delve deep into like the little words and the nuances of all of that. We don't have time to go into all of that today. What I do want to do is draw a, a figurative circle around a few things. One is to note with you that this prayer doesn't just jump straight into a request. Request comes, and it comes in verse 11, and we'll get to that. But what we have a tendency to do, I think as Christians, is to start with request. We come to God with our list, and we kind of slide it across the table to Him. Good morning, God. Would you do this? Would you do that? Would you do that? All right, see you later. Like, we, we, we tend to start there. But the example actually spends quite a lot of time building to that. There's some very important things that happen first. Look at the items in the order with me. It begins with God. The prayer begins with God and acknowledging God's sovereignty and power. It says at the start there, our Father in heaven, as in God, your King of kings and Lord of lords. You're on your throne today. And then it comes on and it says it quickly turns to praise. Hallowed be your name. That means to be worshipped, to be magnified, glorified. It goes on then and it says it seeks God's will before our will. Again, interesting, right? There's not a request here. It's a request for God's will to be done. It says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we read on it, then finally, verse 11, seeks the things that we need. And they seem to be broken into three categories. One is provision. It says give us this day our daily bread. And then it goes on to a request for pardon. It says, forgive us our debts. And none of us really like the next line, as we also forgive, have forgiven our debtors. The prayer would be a lot easier if it didn't have that line. The third thing is protection. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. As we look at this prayer, you may be thinking, okay, is this the way to pray, the only way to pray? And the answer, I believe, to that is no. If you look at the, the whole council of Scripture, all of the Bible, there's different prayers that are offered up. But this is a great example. It's really helpful. It's really good. Because what it can do for us is it can provide a base for prayer, an understanding of prayer as Jesus taught it. And so one of the things that can be really good to do from time to time, and I'd encourage you to try this, is to actually in your private prayer time to try praying through the Lord's Prayer. And the way that I'd encourage you to try to do this is to actually make it personal and applicable. So I'll give you an example. You could open your Bible to Matthew 6, or you may have it memorized, and you could think in your mind, okay, it says, Our Father in Heaven. And so I'm going to start my prayer by saying, God, thank you that you are in heaven today, that you are on your throne, that you reign and that you rule above all things, above nations, above wars. That's how you could start. And then the second line, you start to look at that. Hallowed be your name. God, you are worthy of all worship and praise. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you've done. So you're personalizing this prayer. You go on and read the next line. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God, remind me today that life is about you and about your work and your kingdom. Help me to see where you're already at work. So this is how we can make this prayer our own. And I encourage you from time to time to use this prayer as a model for your own prayers. I'm really thankful that we have this passage. 
Because God doesn't leave us guessing when it comes to prayer. This example is so helpful. It's so practical. And what it reminds me is that anyone can pray. You don't need to have some sort of theological degree or to have been in church for like decades of your life. We can all pray and we can all come and seek God. And so as we seek God privately in prayer, I want to come back to the question I moved around earlier, and that is the question of what should we expect? What should we understand will be the outcome of our prayer? And we need to be careful when we say that word expect. I'm I'm not trying to imply that when we pray, God owes us anything. As in we come to God, you know, for a week or a month and we're like, God, I've been really faithful. I've been really consistent in asking for this. You better answer now. Like that's not how this works. We don't want to imply that. But it does tell us in the text that there is a reward. Matthew 6, 6. We read it earlier, that second sentence. And when your father who sees in secret... And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. What is that? What is the reward? If you look up that word reward, it shows up in different places in the Bible. And sometimes it's translated as paid or perform or to give or to repay. And as I look at all of those terms along with reward, there almost seems to be a monetary theme there going on with this word reward. And again, note with me, I am not implying or suggesting that God financially rewards private prayer. That is not what I'm saying here at all. But what I want you to see is that there seems to be this concept, hear this, of investment. When we invest in prayer, there is a reward that we should look to and expect That reward is relationship with God and peace that He brings. A peace that He brings into the situations and scenarios of life that we are facing. So as we think about the reward of prayer, there's another passage that speaks to this that I want to take you to. It's actually another, uh, I talked about last week, one of my favorite passages. This is another one. Um, It's in Philippians chapter 4. And you may have heard this before. I'm going to read for you from the last part of verse 5 all the way through verse 7. And it says this, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by what? Prayer. Prayer. And supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? When we pray and petition in prayer, that's what supplication means. It means to come to God over and over again, understanding His place and our place that He is above all things. But as we come to Him and say, God, I need help. I need your help with this thing, with this struggle, with this scenario in my life. When we come to Him, God takes that burden, that anxiety off our shoulders. And in exchange, He gives us supernatural peace. I don't just say peace, I say supernatural peace because of what's written in that text. It says peace that passes all, surpasses all understanding. 
Isn't that good? That's the exchange that takes place when we come to God in prayer. And in some ways, that reminds me of salvation. When we experience in salvation the saving of ourselves, what happens in that moment is this incredible exchange. Sometimes we call it the great exchange, where we come to God and we bring to Him our sins, our brokenness. This is what every Christian experiences. We walk up to God and we're like, here I am, God, with all my sin, with all my brokenness, with all the things that I've done that are offensive in your sight. Will you take them? And he takes them. Jesus takes our sins and in exchange gives us his perfection, his sonship. We call that the great exchange. We call that grace, all of that. And there seems to be in prayer some sort of exchange that happens as well. We ex- experience this giving of our burdens. We place them on Him, on His much bigger than our shoulders. And in exchange, we get Jesus. We get He who is our daily bread. By the way, earlier we read that it says there in this example of prayer, give us this day our daily bread. What did Jesus say To the crowds, I am the bread of life. He gives us himself. He is the what? Prince of peace. As he gives us himself, we experience his peace. And this is the reward of private prayer. Jesus and the peace that he brings. And so when a Christian skips or skimps on prayer... They rob themselves of relationship and peace. Can I say that again? Like if there's one thing to hear, Christian, this is what I want you to hear. And I'm preaching to myself here. When a Christian skips or skimps on prayer, they rob themselves of relationship and peace. I want you to listen to the words of an old hymn that was written, this is not a new problem, written in 1855. And this old hymn is called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I know many of you know it. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. That means lose, gone. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. When we carry our pain, when we carry our burdens, our anxieties to God, He takes those things and in exchange gives us peace. He sees us. He hears us. There is not ever a time that you pray where God does not hear you. Sometimes it may feel like your prayer hits the ceiling and falls back to the ground, but that is not reality. That is not true. I mean, look at these two texts that we've just been spending some time in. In Philippians 4 verse 5, it starts the whole part by saying, the Lord is what? At hand. He is present. He sees and He hears when you come to Him in prayer. Look at Matthew 6 where we've spent our time today. It says, your Father who what? Sees in secret will reward you. Private prayer is always seen and it is always, always, always heard. So how should you respond? How do you need to respond to this message this morning about prayer? I'm trusting that God will lead you in the answer of that question. 
perhaps for some of you it's to try praying or try praying again. Maybe for some of you, it's really praying for a first time. You know that a relationship with God actually starts with prayer. We talked about earlier that exchange. That exchange is when we come to God and we talk to Him and say, God, I'm sinful. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. That's praying. And He answers that. He saves us. We are forever different. We are born again. That's what the Scriptures tell us. That's what Jesus tells us. That's what every Christian experiences. Maybe it's to start praying. Perhaps for others of you, it's to find a place and a time to connect consistently. As I've talked about that, there's part of you that says, I need that. I don't want to forfeit. I don't want to lose peace because I'm not bringing everything to God in prayer. And so you're thinking, okay, where is that space? Where is that time this week that I need to connect with God? For others of you, maybe it's to pray beyond your personal needs. You're in a bad habit of just being like, God, here's my list. Thanks. And so for you, it's to start praying for bigger things beyond yourself, for others, for the mission that God is up to around the globe. Perhaps for others, it's to be just simply more faithful in prayer. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to not just think, man, I do need to be more faithful in prayer. That's it. I want to encourage you to find some accountability in that. Maybe it's with your spouse as you drive home. You talk about it and say, hey, would you encourage me? Would you ask me how I'm doing with my my personal prayer life? Because I want to be more consistent in that. Or maybe it's with a friend to say, hey, a text, a call. Hey, I really want to grow in prayer this year. Would you just check on me and ask me how I'm doing with that? Don't just let this be a thought that kind of floats through your head and then you move on. Allow God to be working in this. As we said right at the top, a relationship thrives on good communication. And so too does a Christian. A Christian thrives on good, consistent, and rich personal times of prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we are able to speak to you, like even right now. And thank you that, like we're told in your word, we can come as Christians boldly to you. Thank you that you take us as we are, any moment, any day, any situation, and that you always, always hear us. God, I pray that you would just... Really help us to know how we are to respond to this message today. Bring specific conviction and specific steps that you may want us to take. Grow us in our relationship with you. Grow us in prayer. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful example of prayer. Help us to all love you and to grow in that love. Thank you. Amen. Well, this is our time to respond in these next few moments. And what I'd like to encourage you to do is to pray. That that wasn't hard to guess, right? 
but to pray. Ask God, what do you want me to do about this message today? If you're needing personal prayer about anything, I'll be over here in this corner. I think Amy will be over here. If you'd like to come to one of us and just pray during this next song, we'd love to have that privilege. We really would. But just want to encourage you to, to process and think what you need to, to respond. And I think we're actually going to sing that, that song I quoted. And so I'd love for you to stand now if you're ready for that and to pray and to sing as we, as we finish up our time together.
talking about here. I'm so glad that we have a God that we can come to with everything, the small things, the big things. He is capable. His shoulders are much, much, much bigger than ours to carry the burdens of life. Um, Hey, one thing I should point out is that if you have prayer needs, we want to know what those are so we can be praying about those. We have actually a pretty vibrant prayer ministry across our three campuses of the church. And we have a team that faithfully will pray for requests. And so uh, out by the offering box and then out in the lobby, we have connect cards. On the opposite side of that is a prayer card. If you ever have a prayer request, you can just fill out what it is and put that in the offering box or hand it to one of our team. And we will get that um, prayed over. We would love to join you in praying for whatever it may be. So that's one good thing for you guys to know about. Um, Just as we're kind of switching gears here and and wrapping up, there are a few things that I just want to draw your attention to. Um, One is to say that uh, one of the ways that you guys may want to participate in worship is through giving. You can do that online, our website, our online giving works, and that's great. But we also have an offering box, like I mentioned on the way out. There's a clothes hamper next to that because we're doing a clothing drive at the moment for a local Baptist mission. If you want to be a part of that, that would be wonderful. Um, We're looking for clothes specifically for little ones, um, like birth through to high school age. Um, So if you have extra of that stuff, bring it along in the next week or so. That would be great. Um, Another thing for me to just bring to your attention as we wrap up our time is if you're new or newish around here and would like to kind of get connected in more, you can fill out one of those connect cards I mentioned earlier. Uh, Nick may have some on the way out or they're out by the offering box or in the lobby. And again, that's just a way for us to follow up and get you information about the church um, and also tell you about things that are coming up in the life of the church. I see your faces all turned blue, so something went on the screen. There we go. Uh, That's good. I'm looking at my notes here because you guys know I'm famous for like stepping down and then forgetting what, uh, what I needed to share with you. Um, we will have a starting point coming up in a few weeks on the 26th of February. That's our next one. And that's where we talk about who we are as a church, how you can be a part of that. 
Um, and so that's a good reason to fill out that Connect card is we'll get you information about that as well. Um, and then final thing for me to let you guys know about today is our youth plans. We have a youth ministry for middle school and high school that meets. And this week we are meeting at our Buda office at 4.30, no, 4 to 5.30. Uh, let me get that right. 4 o'clock to 5.30 is when we're going to meet at our Buda office. If you need directions, I can let you know how to get there. But any middle school, high school student is welcome to come along to that. So those are a few things just going on in the life of the church for you to be aware of. I'm going to pray and I'm going to send you guys on out. But when I do that, know that you don't have to rush on out of here. Um, if you want to go out to the lobby and drink some summer moon coffee out there, that's great. We'd love to kind of get that time to connect with you. Um, but we really do appreciate you being here and hope that today as you leave, you would do so with a sense of joy and peace because you've had time to just connect with God who is our King and our Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Um, God, we thank you for the time together. And as we go, God, would you go with us into this week? Lord, help us to remember the things we've talked about today. Lord, help us to grow in private prayer. All of us, Lord, may we walk closely in step with you. May we not rob ourselves of, of relationship with you. May we not rob ourselves of peace by by just ignoring you and wandering through our week by ourselves. Lead us from this place. We thank you that you hear us. We thank you that you see us. We thank you that you've met with us today. And so as we go, may we go with a sense of joy and peace in our step. Thank you, God. Amen. All right, friends, thanks for being here.